Like twin sons on a womp rat's tail, welcome back to the Tumbling Saber podcast, everybody. I'm Kyle. I'm Nathan. And where's Marie? Marie's on vacation, and she can't join us this week to talk about books. Me and Nathan are here. We're going to talk some books this week. We're going to talk about the book of Boba Fett, which isn't a real book, but it's in the title, so I figure it counts. Yeah, like, <laughs> ancient Jedi texts are like a big deal, but Boba Fett just has a book of his own, so... <laughs> I'm surprised he knows how to read or write. It should be hollow novel of Boba Fett. Yeah. Robert. John. <laughs> so we got David. that. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about Rogue One on its fifth anniversary. The uh, the ongoing Darth Vader run. And a little bit on Han and Chewie, who are getting their own miniseries in Marvel Comics coming up in 2022. We'll talk about all that. But first, um, so last week, I had you know we, we did our sixth anniversary show. And uh, I needed to do some number crunching. I just I didn't do my homework. Surprise, surprise. Um, so I wanted to get down to as close as possible and the exact number of podcast episodes we've done across the many shows we've done. And I I can't get it done because I we've lost a chunk of our history. Like the first nine months or so of Tumbling Saber is gone. I like I don't have the files. They're not on this any server because I've I've jumped from one host to another. They're, they're nowhere to be found. But my best count is that we have done 476 total episodes in the in the six years, which is that's a lot of episodes. You know, doing a couple we're doing a couple of week at a certain point, if not more. And man, my throat hurts. <laughs> but um, I, one thing I, I really did not do is. Uh, thank all the people over the years who have sat down as co-hosts in this chair. And going back to our first episode, <coughs> my throat really does hurt. Um, <laughs> I don't know if anybody remembers our first episode or two episodes with Roberto. Um, yeah, we we talked about the Force Awakens. We like a little bit of pre-show for Force Awakens, and then we recapped it. And then James came aboard. Then Corey. Uh, Carlos came along after that, and Stephen on Journals of the Willing, um, Michelle, M, Marie, Nathan, you came around for, for Luminous Beings. Rick was here. We have we have had quite the host of hosts. Murderers Row. And that was kind of always the idea. Like, I always wanted to have, of course, like, the anchor, where I could talk with my brother all the time. It's, you know, a literal bro show in a way. <laughs> but I also wanted to be able to bring in different people and have different conversations from people wherever they may be. And so, uh, yeah, definitely a big thanks to yourself, Nathan, and everybody who uh, to, who occupied a, a seat on the show as co-host and for being a part of the ride. But um, <laughs> Spotify Wrapped came around as well this this past week, <laughs> and it, it it added another layer to this whole puzzle. And so, uh, so we took the first three months of this year off because I was getting into a new job and I just, I, I needed to put the podcast aside for a while. So that sent me down a rabbit hole of more math. So we, and from Spotify rap, they did a chunk of it for me, but we've done 33 episodes this year, not including this one, but those three, 33 episodes total 3,233 minutes, which is... <laughs> The equivalent of 54 hours of content. <laughs> I think we talk wow. too much. <laughs> wow. And so I was like, well, what does that mean then? If I did, 
you know, if if this show has pumped out thirty two minute thirty two hundred minutes of content this year, which you know, three month missing three months, like I, I wonder how much how many minutes we've done in six years, and I'm I'm gonna, just going to estimate somewhere in the fifteen thousand minute range. Oh man! Which is you know that's like what two hundred and fifty hours of podcasting or so. We have yammered a lot about this franchise. Holy wow. smokes! <laughs> oh boy, that's yeah. You don't know how to feel about it, right? <laughs> no, I don't. You know when they say like, oh, it takes ten thousand hours to become an expert in something. Yeah, I could have. I I could have been a master at something else. <laughs> <laughs> in the time I've done doing this. Yeah. It's it's like you're proud of it, but it's also kind of embarrassing. And <laughs> exactly. And you know, if I'm – I know – I think I'm probably undershooting at 15,000 minutes for the six years. I could have mastered yeah. one thing and been halfway to mastering something else. Yeah. Yeah. You're at – episodes this year have been much shorter than, than in past years. That's for sure. Oh yeah, so years two and I, three and four, they were averaging probably two plus hours. Yeah, so so using this year as any kind of benchmark is probably gonna undersell. Oh yeah, uh, and that's what I did. I, I gave a conservative estimate, but I wouldn't be surprised if we were pushing twenty thousand minutes. Which yeah, we won't go there. I could I could have <laughs> been. What two things would I have mastered? I don't know, but I you know it would have been cool. Crypto. Oh Jesus. NFTs, man. I could have been ahead of the NFT curve. Oh man, you get out of a monkey JPEG. I could be I could be a master of being insufferable. A monkey with Darth Maul horns. <laughs> okay, cool. So let's um you want to jump right into the news? Yeah, let's do it. Alright, so um on Thursday of last week, the Hollywood Reporter came around and released a fantastic piece on the upcoming Book of Boba Fett show. And it gave us a, a ton of great insights into the show, uh, the mindset of the people making it. And you know, last week when I was talking with Corey, you know, his his hype level was, was like peaking. And mine is still what was at a simmer. I'm like, I, you know, I'm cool. Like I'm excited for it, but I'm not like climbing the walls. Mm-hmm. After reading this interview... Like, this interview did more to get me excited for the show than any trailer or teaser has. So now I am officially amped. I am officially <laughs> amped for this. Uh, what about you? What's what's your, where's your meter at right now? No, I'm I'm right there with you. Like, I don't know. It, it, it's, for one thing, it's crazy that we made it to the one year mark um, since Mando ended last year. That's crazy on its own. Yeah. Um, so it's it's almost like I've been at a simmer all year, and you know it's I haven't really noticed the 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 temperature of the water getting getting higher, and all of a sudden I realize we're at a rolling boil. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like I'm I'm ready for this show. I I'm I'm done waiting now. Yeah, I mean, we, we love the animation when it's when it's done well, and usually it is. But there's, it's, we I, at least I need the live action stuff. I really need that to sort of feed the beast. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, this, the thing is, we haven't had any live action in in twenty twenty one. 
Like mm-hmm. the the only live action we'll be getting this year is that first episode of of Boba. So it's uh, yeah, it, bring it on, bring it on. Yeah, especially only- especially considering how much we know we're getting. Like we're on the verge of a feast year. Like we're coming off a famine year, going into a feast year, and it's I, I'm I am starving. <laughs> it's been long enough. I'm ready to yeah. break my Star Wars movie slump. I'm going to do that over mm-hmm. the holidays, and I need that Boba Fett show now. I need I need to scratch this itch. It's been it's been I don't want to say it's been a hard year in Star Wars. But yeah, well, it's, it's... I think I think that'd be fair. <laughs> There's been some not great things happen this year. Well, yeah, you know, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Content wise, it's you know we're missing the live action thing, but and, you know, and it's, it's, it's it says a lot that December 29th, like at the very tail end of the year, is when we get our first dose. Yeah, like it's yeah. going to be slightly over a year, and man, I, I'm. I am feeling pretty hungry. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, thank, thank God we had bad batch and we had the high Republic. I mean, you know, we're coming to the end of the first year of the high Republic and it's, that has definitely taken some of the sting out of, um, how slow a year it's been. And 34 uh, issues of war of the bounty hunters. (laughs) Well, yes, that was also there in the background. <laughs> uh, yep. Anyway, let's let's take a look at this interview. Um, I pulled out a few quotes, and we'll, we'll kick them back and forth. I don't know how you kind of pulled this apart, but um, the first thing I kind of dropped or made made me kind of go, oh, cool, is even Disney didn't know we were going to drop it like that. Marvel's The Book of Boba Fett co-showrunner Robert Rodriguez I got to see the inner workings and Favreau and writer-producer-director Dave Filoni kept this a secret from everybody. That is wild to me. Yep. And it just... I I don't know what he means when he says that even Disney didn't know. But either way, like, it shows that, uh, you know, Kathleen Kennedy and Lucasfilm, they have a lot of rope to do whatever they want. Yeah. You know, for a lot of people to find out at, on the Disney side of things about the show in the end credits. Mm-hmm. That's a big punch in the face to all the people that, you know, who think uh, Disney's in the writer's room and Disney is, is editing people's notes and chiding them and telling them what to do. Sorry, yeah. guys. <laughs> that's that's not quite how it works. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, you know, not having Mando this year made that possible. Because you just tell everybody that you're shooting Mando season three, and it turns out, nope, Mando season three is next year. Uh, so yeah, it, it, that worked out perfectly for them. And I, who knows that maybe why they delayed season three? Um, it sure sounds like yeah. it. Yeah, it, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, but that's that's absolute insanity on one hand it was very cool to get that reveal uh, for the people who actually stayed through and sat through the credits to find that scene <laughs> yeah but uh, like it was very Disney cool had to know right like like the Igers or the Chapics, they had to know oh yeah <laughs> well I think I think further down he says something about uh, like the top brass knew about it but uh but that was about it. But yeah, uh, 
on the on the other hand, it's it's more of that that mystery box nonsense that uh, we've been so frustrated by. Uh, and it's you know, uh, 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 you know, so it's it's. I know Steel Saunders has been talking about this um, on his show a fair bit over the last few weeks, but it's it's a fair point. It's like we only know. Well, I guess now we know the mayor, but really we only know the names of two characters in this entire show. <laughs> yeah, we really don't know much about this show. It's 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 crazy to me that they're marketing the show and not, like you think about all of the marketing they did for Mando and we knew Kara's name. We knew all about grief. We knew, you know, like it's, it's just crazy that they're not like, I, I think this show is going to do fine. And I think this is one of those times where they're, well, they'll, they'll, they'll get away with star Wars selling itself, you know? Um, yeah, just people—the people who are so thirsty for Boba Fett action—that's yeah. what they're waiting for. Yeah, but it, even though that is the case, it is still wild that they would take that gamble, that that would work, and that they—they're not marketing any other characters in the show. They're not marketing marketing. It, It's—it just—it blows my mind, and I like that all they've shown us is the first half of the first episode. That's all we've seen. That's insane to me. Like last week when I was talking with Corey, it was again, like, you know what I, or maybe previously to that, I was like, yeah, they probably, everything in the trailers has probably been like the first couple episodes. They're probably not giving us much. Yeah. It's even more narrowed down than that. It's crazy. And And it's, it feels like those, a lot happens in the first half of that at first episode. Well, and that's the thing. It's, it, if that's the case, then I definitely it definitely makes me more willing to believe Rodriguez's claims that there's some crazy stuff coming, stuff that we're not going to believe that they're doing. Uh, just based on how much it seems to be packed into the first half of the first episode. Well, there's another quote later in the in that article in, in the interview. It says, "Things turn up you don't expect. You see things mm-hmm. you, we couldn't believe we got to do." Every episode yeah. has big surprises. And in the summer, yeah. he was boasting about over-delivering, way, way over-delivering. And we're all like, shut up, shut up, don't say that. Like, we as Star Wars fans can get pretty imaginative and, and set our, our bars pretty high. Maybe you don't want to do this. <laughs> but he's, yeah. he's doubling down. I mean, that 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 has been a problem for them in the past. Um, like, yeah. Uh, do you remember... You know, I think you guys talked about it last week. Uh, you and Corey, the um, the shot of Fennec looking down through the floor mm-hmm. into the rancor pit. Do you remember? I won't get specific, but do you remember a <laughs> a leak from maybe last? Maybe I guess it was earlier this year about a thing. That Boba interacts with? I don't. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of glad. <laughs> okay. I did I did post it in the uh, in the spoiler group if anybody wants to go and look for that. Um but yeah, okay. I, I I won't go any further with that. But there is something out there. Uh 
related to that conversation. Ooh, that's interesting. Which I feel like might be one of the things that Rodriguez is referencing. But I, I also think that might happen in the second half of the first episode. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll see. You know what's crazy is, you know, on the no marketing part is like, we're not going to see merch on on this show outside oh, of, you know, there's a Boba Fett figure available for pre-order. Uh, Fennec Shand is, is vintage collection. That just went up for pre-order. Those aren't coming out till, you know, for months, months and yeah. months. The snow will all be gone by the time those figures come out. Mm-hmm. It's very strange to me that uh, merch for a show will only come out long after it's finished. Yep. That's very un-Star Wars. I mean, COVID delays, I get it. But almost, this almost feels like a choice, again, to preserve the mystery box element of it, which worked well for Grogu. Uh, you know, there's been a couple instances where holding things back, including from, manufa- or from yeah, I guess, the manufacturing of merch, has served the the, the show experience well. Yeah. And they're just going yeah. for that again, I think. Yeah. And, well, yeah, that's, that's a good point. Um, but at the same time there's no hype for these characters in the, over the summer, you know, <laughs> like, nope. we don't even know if, if we'll get a season two, we don't even know if the story, this specific story will continue past this season of the series, you know? Yeah. And that's another uh, thing they spoke about, about in, you know, at the end of the up of these, this interview, like they, they kind of put to bed the talk of, of whether this is a mini series, or I guess it's not put to bed because there's no closure, but we don't know. They don't know. We don't know. Rodriguez said something to the effect of, you know, if people love it, I'm sure they'll make want to make more. Yeah. Yep. Definitely. And, you know, maybe it's... they've already greenlit because they, we all know this thing's going to do super well on Disney Plus. So I don't, I don't know if they, they need to wait for any type of ratings to show up. Well, and, and th- that's the crazy thing about Hasbro. I mean, you know, when it came to like the Force Awakens and the Last Jedi and Rogue One, they had they had figure releases, you know, pop releases, you know, at the time the movie was coming out. And Tross, uh, Tross obviously had the same thing, but uh, just none of the figures that anybody wanted, uh, <laughs> you know, you largely. Say. Yeah, well. And in the case of the Poe figure, we all know why no one wanted that one. <laughs> Still waiting on no, that. No, no one ever wants a Poe figure. Oh, there was no Poe figure for for Tross. There was a vintage collection one in his uh, X-wing gear. Oh, right, right. But there's no Black Series Poe for for Tross, and nor is there a Finn. Imagine we get a Zori figure. And no Finn or Poe figure. Oh, God. They, they did a Janna? They did Zori? They did, they did a Janna! Yeah, a lot of secondary characters oh. got, got figures, but the core, the core cast? Eh, depends. <laughs> Still no Palpatine figure. No. Still no Palpatine figure. Like, the bad guy of the movie. <laughs> Like, oh, it's that's crazy. But but anyway, um, 
yeah, I mean, what a time. That's that's the time to announce that you have new figures, you know. Oh, you can get these for Christmas, and then you'll have the toys when you watch the show. You know, that's what kids want. Kids want to get the toys for Christmas, and then when they sit down to watch the show, they already have the toys. Like, oh. Though, I, I, I imagine a lot of kids already have seven Boba Fett figures. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> but nobody has a Fennec figure. Nope. Zero you know? people. And I want a Fennec figure more than I want a Bubba figure. <laughs> yeah, the Fennec figures look really good. Yeah. I, and of course, they're going to overproduce the Bobas, and there won't be enough Fennecs. Of course. But, yeah. But, uh, yeah. The, but uh, the secrecy around... It's... it's it's so frustrating. Yeah, we but. talked about the way Mar- Lucasfilm markets the whole property, and it's like, why? Why are you t- doing this? Yeah. It, it's just so weird. I don't understand why they they have to market so differently than anything else, than any other franchise. It's like, <laughs> Lucasfilm seems to be, I don't know, they, they love leaving money on the table. Yeah, they do. Or they really truly believe that they're different and that they have to do things differently. Uh, (laughs) I don't know. I don't know about that. I don't know. I I think once upon a time that was true. I think now with so many choices for anybody, like I I think there's no, no choice. Like Star Wars is now just one of the pack. Yeah. Well, I think, I think, I think Marvel really you know desolated that whole landscape i think marvel came in and you know so many other franchises followed suit and i i don't know i just feel like star wars used to be the odd one out where star wars was what you saw everywhere you know everywhere sold sold star wars and now it's just you know geek geek merchandise is mainstream now and it, i i don't know it's well yeah if social media it's is a, a larger barometer, issue <laughs> you know it, uh, it's hard to say like using social media as a barometer for anything is it does it paint a, a clear enough picture but once upon a time like star wars was king of the king of the mountain yeah. In a lot of aspects. Yeah. And when you look now at social media, Marvel has way more people following it. Yeah. Like 33 million Facebook uh, likes or followers on Facebook for Marvel versus 19 or so for, for Star Wars. And yeah. it's it's similar on – actually, I think it's a bigger disparity on Instagram where it's like, again, like 30 million to I think 14 million for Star Wars. Mm-hmm. I think I think Marvel has has surpassed Star Wars in the last decade. Yeah, I think I think in the ra- in the ratio of um, passive and active fans, I think Star Wars is is way more on the the passive fan side. I think they have a w- much higher percentage of of passive fans, where as Marvel has a higher percentage of active fans. Yeah, and that's dangerous for Star Wars. I think I think we're seeing a churn in in the demographic now, where 
you know, there's there's people my age ish, you know, give or take a couple years and and older, who are, you know, they're dyed in the wool OT fans and and not necessarily mm-hmm. like the jerk about it OT fan. Just yeah. that's what they grew up with. That's what they love about Star Wars. It's never going to change. And if once that goes away, then you see it. You see it on social media all the time. It's you know, Star Wars ended in 1983. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But you see, I I see it all the time. So I mean, if we want to use big numbers like that as a barometer, Star Wars has been has been passed. I know. I know. There's. A, I I think it still holds true that Star Wars the licensing fee. You know, for Hasbro is bigger for Star Wars than for Marvel. Mm-hmm. Next time they sit down at the table, I bet that levels out. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I and Star Wars fans, like you said, you have you have movie fans, and now obviously the TV fans. Um, but a lot of uh, you know the majority of Star Wars fans never dive into the comics or the books or, or the games or the expanded stuff. They're, they're movie fans and now TV fans, Mandalorian fans specifically. Mm-hmm. Whereas with Marvel, all it ever really was, was the movies. And there's so much more of it. And now of course the TV starting this year, but you know, that's, that's the fan base, but that's all it really is. That the MCU is just the movies, so there aren't really. When it comes to to Marvel Studios and Marvel Comics, like there's a huge gulf there, <laughs> you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So because a lot of most people aren't Marvel fans, they're MCU fans, right? It, well, it sure feels that way. At least, at least nowadays, I my son is obsessed with the MCU. Mm-hmm. You really could care less about comics. Yeah. He thinks they're cool. Yeah. Like if I give him some of mine, he flips through them. He'll draw a picture out of it. He's, he'll keep it. Yeah. But he's not going to, he'll run to, uh, he'll run to, the, to Disney plus first. Then to yeah. his comic book collection. And he's seven, you know, readings of a comic book is a bit of a chore for him, but mm-hmm. it's just, it's right there. <laughs> the whole two hour show is right there in front of him and he exactly. loves it. So I think, you know, I think, Marvel has done a better job of of outreach to different fans and at different age groups. I and I I think they're they're going to be the the studio to beat for for a while. Unless Star, you know, I think Star Wars can get back, but they they've got to do some real special stuff with uh, with their next set of movies. But that's who knows how far away that is. <laughs> well, I I think I think one of the things that star Wars needs to do is first of all, and we're seeing this start, start to happen, especially in the coming year, but star Wars has to, um, ramp up and start matching Marvel's output, you know, mm-hmm. and 2022 There's is so a step in that Marvel. direction. Yeah. I mean, I, for me personally, I find, Marvel movies to be very disposable. Very rarely do I rewatch Marvel movies. Whereas, you know, I'll watch a Star Wars movie every day. Um, but yeah, I, I don't want Star Wars to become disposable, but I would like, I would like the tempo to increase. <laughs> yeah. It's a fine line, isn't it? Yeah. Give me great movies that I want to watch a lot. Give it to me often, but make them relevant enough and special enough so that 
they don't feel like you know I've, I've I've watched the same origin story told with a different suit. Exactly. All right, uh, back on Book of Boba Fett here. Um, you know, one thing this show is doing, and I, it feels like it's a talking point that's gone under the radar. And it, this is not in the interview at all, but like this is an action-heavy Star Wars show, and its two leads are people of color. One is yeah. sixty, the other is fifty-eight. Yeah, that's crazy. It's cool as hell, and you know, I. Th- no one's talking about that. I don't think. Kyle, I want them to adopt me. <laughs> like, like they are the two like greatest people on the planet. <laughs> they are so. They both love what they're doing so much. Yeah, it, they're like there's so much joy that they're bringing to it's you know it, and it, it's not to say that it hasn't been fun to watch the behind the scenes stuff and and see how you know with one glaring exception uh but to see how some of the behind the scenes have worked and to get to know these actors and these filmmakers that have been involved with mando um that's been tons of fun the whole ride but boy it seems like they really had fun making this show even if half of the people didn't know what they were making <laughs> it seems like they had a lot of fun yeah didn't jennifer beale say that she was in, also did an interview this week where she was like i didn't even know what i was doing <laughs> or so, i yeah. don't want to misquote her i didn't actually read the piece but the gist was that she didn't know she was on book of boba fett I yeah didn't she no, think that... she was on mando season three or something yeah, I think it was something like that. She she did speak to to that, and I I don't remember her exact wording, but yeah, those those were the lines. Um, That's so yeah. Funny. She also she was also talking about the leku, and what was it she said? She said it was like a crown of identity and something else. Wow, <laughs> and spirituality or something like it was like yeah. She was like wow. She's she really put some thought into this role, like it's great. I'm 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 a big Jennifer Beals fan now because of that article. It's, <laughs> it seems like she really she really got into the role. I but, think she uh, just I elevated would... Flashdance for me to a whole new level. <laughs> yeah, she. Uh, but but I would recommend reading that article for anybody who hasn't. It's uh it's a good read. And then you know, lastly on this, like. I think this is still murky. I think this could be has, have, has it might be a thing that fans have sort of adopted as fact, but I don't know that's ever been confirmed. But I, you know, I think originally John Favreau wanted to do a Boba Fett show and got shot down, so he kind of revamped his plans, and along came Mandalorian, and then something changed, yeah. and then Favreau said, "Well, now can we do the Boba Fett show?" Okay, and they did, and. I wonder what that thing that changed. I wonder if it was just how insanely successful Mandalorian was. Where they're like, cool, we need content for this platform. You can have your Boba Fett show now. Yeah, I I do wonder. Well, the th- here's the thing. So the first episode of Mandalorian came out in October 2019. They showed Mark Hamill um, that finished episode. And brought him on board for the season finale of season two before October 2019. 
right? So they've been working on that show for a good while to be at the season finale of season two, two years ago. You know what I mean? So say they started, they started planning the show in 2016. Let's, let's guess 2016. And the Josh, Josh Trank stuff fell apart in 2014. So, I mean, who knows in those like, you know, two years, year, year and a half, two years between all that happening. Who knows what plans they had? Maybe the mangled rumors, there was some truth to it. Maybe they were exploring the idea of doing the Boba Fett movie with, with mangled. And it, that later turned into Indiana Jones. Like we, you, you know, we can't know every detail of what happened with Boba <laughs> in that time period. But. Well, they changed their mind at some point. I imagine it happened when. Yeah, because this is the thing is if they had plans for Luke Skywalker before the first episode aired, then they almost certainly they almost certainly had. Had plans for Boba before the series ever started. Doesn't started that make airing. you wonder what they've got plans for already? <laughs> it's it's almost sickening, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> like 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 they know who their Thrawn is. Like they they all of that is written. Like yeah, just the stuff. <laughs> like what would you pay? Like you know would oh, you, would you man. would you would you take your tickets to celebration and go and have a great time or? Knowing that the halls of Lucasfilm would be empty for that week, would you rather snoop in, go yeah. like walk through Lucasfilm and just poke through, and just you know, walk into a a conference room, read what's on the table? Whose office is this? Ooh, this is Dave Filoni's office. Let's go rooting through his stuff. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. The Definitely. stuff you would find. Oh my god. It would be, that would be like heaven. Yeah. But I will say, thinking about this stuff now, it definitely makes me. Uh... It makes me doubt doubt more whether or not Bad Batch is going to tie in heavily to the show, because, like we found out, is it, I think it might be in that article where Fennec wasn't supposed to survive. You know, Tora was was supposed to kill her, and like that was a late addition. Was bringing her back. Yeah, that's that was in there. You're right. Right. So if if Fennec wasn't supposed to survive, you know, maybe her being in Bad Batch isn't the connective tissue between the two series that we might have thought it was, you know? Like, maybe I don't that know stuff if doesn't start happening until season two. Yeah, I don't know if the timing works out for it to be the case, at least at least right now. Yeah, I can I can see season one being its own thing. Yeah. Set up Boba Fett in his new his new normal, and then start the crazy connectivity stuff. Yeah, like I, I can see, I could see Filoni putting Fennec in his episode of Mando in season one, just because it was a character developed for Bad Batch. Like I don't know if that's been said anywhere um, outright that like, yeah, Fennec is actually a Bad Batch character that showed up in Mandalorian first. You know, just because of how long animation takes. Yeah, that's true. So, like, yeah, I guess Fennec is a Mando character because 
technically she showed up there first, but Fennec may actually be originally a bad batch character. That makes sense. Yeah. All right, so you know this. This we'll move on from this piece, but it's if you need if you need your your Boba Fett hype meter peaked, you got to read this piece. It's it's it does great things to get you thinking about uh, how cool this series looks like it's going to be. Robert Rodriguez must be in charge of marketing <laughs> the book of Boba Fett. Well, no, Why that's not? not true. That's not true because if he was in charge, there would definitely be more marketing of the show. <laughs> But he's definitely doing a better job than the marketing department is. Yeah, I, I mean, there's look, there's I keep saying they're smarter than me, but it, I feel like it's lacking. Anyway, that's um, we've had that talk, and I'm sure we'll get to it again. But uh, before we get to books, so this time of year, you know, the, the mid December period, it it gets the Star Wars machine running because. Like we've, be- I guess we we've become used to a December Star Wars movie, um, you know. In, in this case, Rogue One just turned five, and Tross turned two, and Last Jedi turned four. TFA Wild. is now six. Like it's all this week where they all kind of celebrate their birthday. But this week, StarWars.com published an interview um, with uh, Rogue One director Gareth Edwards. King. He's he seems like a lovely guy. Oh yeah, but they you know they talked about the pressure of doing a Star Wars movie, um, just sort of getting into his head about some of the choices they made on the film, and then whether or not he'd come back to the franchise. And yeah, I thought this was a really it was a nice interview, and I've I've been hard on Edwards over the years, not as a director or a person, because I again I think he's he seems as nice a guy as you'd ever want to meet, mm-hmm. but from what we know about the production of the movie and. In the end, what matters is the end product, right? But we, for some reason, we get to know a lot about the the nuts and bolts of a Star Wars movie. It it seems pretty clear that the movie was most was essentially turned over to Tony Gilroy to rescue it, and that name, his name, Tony Gilroy's name, doesn't come up at all in this interview. So I always kind of look at these kind of things, these glossed over interviews. You know, one eyebrow raised. Like I just, I don't like when stories are sanitized, or when like mm-hmm. key aspects are o- omitted because they're uncomfortable and and don't play well in press. Yeah, and that, yeah, that's that's what I liked about the J.W. Rinsler books is that they gave you how you knew how messy making Star Wars was, and you got the disagreements and the butting of heads, and he didn't bury that stuff. But in the Disney era, we see none of that stuff. Like yeah. everything is sunshine and rainbows and yet creators have been shown the door over and over. So we know that's not necessarily true. And, yeah. and you know, I guess the prevailing theory, at least my theory this whole time has been that you know, when Lucasfilm, the brass decided, you know what, this, this movie is way off the rails. We need to get, bring someone else in to fix this. Like Gareth Edwards has done some cool things, but this movie's not, it's not doing it for us. And so in came Tony Gilroy. And, you know, it feels like, like to me, my, my headcanon was Gareth played ball and he, he didn't throw a tantrum or decide to like, ah, it's my vision or nothing. He said, yeah. okay, I'll stick around. I, I will help. I will, I will do my damnedest to bring this movie back around. But really it's, and for me, the proof that I needed all along 
is that Tony Gilroy is the one doing the Andor series. Yeah, I, I, I do wonder. Yeah, I mean, he did play ball. Um, I, the thing is, like, he—it's not like he was ever off the film. Like, he wasn't Lord and Millard. You no, know, he was there. Uh, yeah, he was there. I think. I think he was. After the like at by the point of the reshoots and afterwards, I think he was. I don't know if he was relegated or if he decided to take, um, take a seat in like the editor's room and like in post production. Obviously, that's where his the majority of his experience is, is in behind the scenes and and you know um, visual effects. So I mean, the thing is, this was only his third movie. Yeah, you know, and he's it, done nothing still, since. Yeah, it's it's his last movie. <laughs> I think point. that speaks volumes, doesn't it? And yeah, again, I, I don't want to do a tap dance on the guy. I feel like I I feel like I keep kicking the guy, but no, no, no. It, I I I do think I feel like he was. We found that he was attached to another project just recently, fairly recently, um, but I don't remember for sure. But either way, he, um, yeah, I mean. I, I maybe he was just out of his depth in the in the screenwriting or or the maybe the onset directing uh, because if, if you remember they did get very experimental with that shoot with 3D sets and where he was actually doing the camera work himself um with like handhelds and the, and that kind of thing uh so it was very experimental and the thing about being experimental is that it doesn't always work uh, unfortunately it probably cost him a lot of money. Um, but you know, I mean, uh, I think, I think if you're going to experiment, get experimental with star Wars, uh, that was one of the, you know, that and solo were the places to do it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and they walked it back both times. Yeah. And you know, that's, that's, I guess that's the risk if you're going to, try using uh <laughs> you know younger maybe fresher talent um who might want a little more rope or or might not quite have the experience needed for the project and i'm not going to say necessarily that maybe this might have been gareth edwards saying listen i'm out of my depth here and i can't make a good cut out of this <laughs> you know like we we just don't know the details it would be great to get a making of book but that seems unlikely anytime soon. Oh yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it does seem because, you know, even in that, in that interview, uh, he talks about them in the editing room and, and cutting it together. And the editor suggesting, you know, not t Tony Gilroy suggesting, uh, but the editor suggesting the Vader scene, the hallway scene. Yeah. That was a last and minute ad. Yeah, and then pulling that together, like, and and it seems like, well, that was that was Edwards who put that together, not not Gilroy. So I think Edwards played a bigger part than some of the reports may have suggested, um, because I mean, famously, Tony Gilroy has talked about how he isn't a Star Wars fan. Mm -hmm. So I don't, I don't think, you know. I don't even know if he would have liked the idea of the Vader hallway scene, you know. <laughs> and maybe like, it's, maybe it boils down to like literal percentage of minutes filmed or in the final cut. That if it's if it's this guy's footage, he's the he gets credit for the director. So maybe they said like Gareth, look, fifty percent plus one is going to be your footage. 
Yeah. And you I mean sure that you get the directorial thing. I mean, I think I think a lot of the conversations around the uh, the Lord of Miller stuff and Howard coming in, I think a lot of that, bo- you know, the discussion boiled down to union rules and that kind of thing. So it's probably a lot of that going on, too. Um, but, you know, just because they brought in Tony Gilroy and did reshoots and that kind of thing, I don't think I don't think um, that should erase how heavily Edwards was involved and how much of his work ended up on screen, even if it wasn't shooting work, directing work, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And he like, still, he was still involved in the editing and the, you know, supervising visual effects and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. He still had his hands all over the movie for sure. And I, I, I do feel like I, whenever I talk about this, I'm like, man, I'm being too hard on the guy. Like he was mm. clearly all over the movie. Yeah, I, but it 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 just it's almost it irks me that they leave out the other, the the dirty part. Yeah, no, I I definitely agree. I wish I wish Lucasfilm would be a little more transparent, but uh, I think and, and I think we're starting to see that a little bit. Um, I think some of the stuff that Kathleen Kennedy has talked about recently, I think has shown that I, I think they're a little more willing to talk about, especially the earlier things. Like because I think Kennedy brought up in an art in an interview recently, um, and she talked about the Josh Trank movie and that kind of thing, um, very briefly and very surface level. But you know, did bring it up. And she acknowledged so, it, which is a thing. Yeah, so um, I think that's good. Well, but, speaking of, of Kennedy, like going back to the the Vader hallway scene. You know, it was a last minute edition. It was a film's editor who suggested it of all people. Yeah. And they, you know, when, when they were talking about it, they're like, oh man, this would be cool. But we're, we're out of time. We're out of, like, I think they were out of time and money to add more footage. But they went to, to Kennedy and said, we have this idea. And she's like, okay, let's do it. And yeah. they, they made the time. They found the budget and they went and did it. So that, yeah. I, that was, it would have been very easy for her to go, guys. We got this movie's been problematic enough. Like, do we need to go add more? <laughs> yeah, well, and he talked about them delivering, you know, the final visual effects shots like the week before the movie premiered, <laughs> stuff like that. It's like that's that's wild. But it's great to hear him talk about like like it's great to hear him just be a Star Wars fan too, like you know, talking about being on the Tantive Four in the hallway. And him being the one to launch the ship and how excited he still is about all that stuff. It was so, that was the nicest part to read. Like, you know, he's talking about the reactions he would have. Like, he's on set directing Darth Vader. He's like, oh my God. Like, he's actually thinking he's directing Darth Vader and not some guy in a suit. His dream came true. Yeah. Right? (laughs) Like, good for him. Like, like, it was just, it was, it was, it put a smile on my face to read like the disbelief that he had, you know, as, you know. As he was going, like he he had his first conversation with Lucasfilm, and he's like, mm, "That was cool, but that's that's nothing's going to come from that." And then he had another chat with them, and he's he's realizing that he's closer and closer to getting something, and he's yeah. like, "Oh my god, oh my god." <laughs> yeah, well, and interesting to hear that the, he hasn't he hasn't watched the movie in like four years or something, four mm, or five I, years. Yeah, that stood out to me too. Like. Painful but memories, at the same, or is it just sort of like? But at the same time, it do doesn't. It? it doesn't seem like he has any negative feelings towards the film. Like everything, like he still seems excited about the experience. 
Yeah. And it's sometimes it could just be a thing where like creators create something and then move on from it. Like Mark Hamill never watches Star Wars. Yeah. You know, he doesn't sit down and watch himself over and over. He he, he was in the damn thing. Like I, I think he knows the movie well enough at, just to, to a certain level, to, to a level he's comfortable with. And he doesn't, yeah. he doesn't I, do Star Wars watching marathons. Yeah. As as passionate as as the filmmakers may be and the people involved may be, it, at the end of the day, it's still work. Right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Which is, which is why, I, you know, we really can't... Um, we really can't get mad at, you know, whether it's, whether it's an actor or uh, like one of the directors of the Mandalorian, someone coming in who's, you know, temporarily working on, on something in star Wars or with, you know, we can't be mad at them when they haven't read everything they haven't, or even this even applies to like Lucasfilm executives. Like we can't be too upset that they haven't read every comic or every novel or, played through every game they have you know, to know the, the lore <laughs> i sure. mean yeah i i think like on a basic level yes and i i think that like sometimes i feel like the channels for um communicating what's going on might not be working as efficiently as they should be but like at the end of the day this is work for these people and they have other responsibilities. And at the end of the day, they don't want to go home at night and have to read a stack of Star Wars comics when they've been working on Star Wars all day, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but it's uh, it's pretty. It's yeah. That was a good Man, interview. It was, it was fun to read. That's over on StarWars.com if you want to check it out. Five years already for Rogue One. Man. Yeah, that that's what, and and also we have to credit uh, Gareth Edwards with also, you know, I mean the the look of the movie, the designs in the movie, those were you know, those had his sign off. Whether it's the you know the Scarif Citadel or whether it's Lamu and the Urso Farm or whether it's uh, the U Wing, like like all of these things. Um, the movie looks the way it does because of Gareth Edwards, you know. And it, yeah, it's it's. I mean, Star Wars has looked great since uh, we started getting new movies back, but that that one, Rogue One, really stands out. Rogue One is like what I like. Those are the adventures I imagined in my head as a kid, you know. Yeah, they. I mean, the the last. I mean, once you get to Battle of Scarif. There's oh, not man. much in the entirety of Star Wars that is better than that. Yeah, it's when you come blasting out of hyperspace on the back of that X-wing into the the field of ships. It's oh, like that is that is movie magic. I still think that, that <laughs> the I remember being in theater and uh, Radis calling up the Hammerhead Corvette. And oh it, man! And just as like I get the realization of what they're doing. And to see two Star Destroyers crash in space, like crash into each other, like what a visual. Like you can still watch Empire Strikes Back and not know that two Star Destroyers crash into one another. Yeah. And and the like the background characters, the acting is so good. Like when the captain of that hammerhead like calls out Brace and he like he is nervous as hell. <laughs> like like the movie is full of those little performances. 
that are just like fantastic and like they ground the movie like like nothing else in in any other star wars it's it's brilliant yeah and i feel like i feel like that's probably there's probably a lot of gilroy behind those performances those small moments which bodes well for Andor, which is a, a show that, you know, I, of course we have Book of Boba Fett, and I think most people are very consumed with Kenobi. But Andor mm-hmm. is sort of just in the background, 16 Andor's, episodes apparently, and it's flying beneath everybody's radar. Andor's the sleeper for sure. But it's... Boy, Kyle, if Saw Gerrera shows up in Andor, <laughs> I'll be a happy man. Well, I'll be a happy um, man. What's his... Stellan Skarsgård. He's he he's point blank said that he shot with um, Forrest Whitaker. That's right, man. I can't keep. See, my focus is on Kenobi, but like, I'm low key more excited for Andor. And it being 16 episodes, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> let's let's go, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, if it turns out to be 16 20 minute episodes, I'm gonna be like, okay, guys, come on. This isn't what we had in mind. Yeah, this is like, what the fans okay. asked for. Eight episodes, eight forty-minute episodes is what we're looking for. Like you guys, you're you guys are on the wrong ends of the scales here. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that show is absolutely beneath the like, even a big outlet. I can't remember who it was. They talked about Book of Boba Fett. They talked about Kenobi, and they just didn't mention Andor. Like, yeah, that's weird. Anyway, I. Before long, we will be talking an awful lot about it, I think. But uh, No, because it's going to be like six weeks before the movie, before Lucasfilm oh, starts talking about God. it. <laughs> or before right. the show, I mean. You're right. <laughs> okay, let's uh, let's duck over into the, uh, the printing side of things. It's still wild on the printing side of things. It's in flux. Things are everywhere, but we're still basically stuck... In the time period between Empire and Return of the Jedi, and we talked about this, we had a pretty in-depth conversation in the summer where we kind of said, like, what are they going to do when this, you know, War of the Bounty Hunters thing plays out and we run out of racetrack for, you know, the, the Return of the Jedi timeline? What happens? Like, do they well, kill I mean, We've been talking about this for like two and a half years. Yeah, I think we have. Like, we talked about, started talking about this before they announced the cancellation of the of volume one and before the empire ascended um one shot and before uh soul took over soul and pack took over like we've been talking about this a good while all right well let's start and here here we are still talking about the same thing yeah but so and i think at some in one of the our conversations we specifically threw out the idea that, you know, if they're not going to go past Re- Return of the Jedi in comics, at least with the core characters, maybe the idea of, like, little spin-off titles mm-hmm. is the thing. And mm-hmm. here we go. Han and Chewie are getting their own miniseries from <laughs> from Marvel Comics. And, I, you know, I think we can take a bow on that one. I think we got that one right. Yeah, yeah. And you, I, sure. you made a good point in the group where you said, like, you know, with Han being out of like in a block of carbonite, mm-hmm. getting this series done uh, is sort of a nice way to get Han and Chewie, or at least Han, back into comics because this yeah. this series takes place uh, between Solo and A New Hope, 
And according to, I think Mark Guggenheim is the writer. Um, it's really going to explore Han's duality as, as somebody who, who wants to be this, uh, you know, cynical, badass, bad guy type, but keeps being compelled to do the right thing. That's, mm-hmm. that, that's an interesting thing that, you know, Solo certainly touched on that. But it's, it's, it'll be nice to see that go a little more in-depth here. What was your th- for original knee-jerk thought when, when this news came out? Um, well, I mean, I mean, knee-jerk is Star Wars news. And then, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the content is secondary, initially, anyway. But, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, this is an interesting period to start playing with, um, especially since, like, this is an ongoing, and yet, um, I think as specific as they've gotten is that it's it's like just before a New Hope. Yeah, I, I so. is it? It's I've seen people say it's ongoing and and miniseries, but I don't think the StarWars.com piece really specifies yeah i mean they didn't give an issue count as far as i know um which you know i mean this could end up being a a an ongoing series that depending on sales ends up being a mini series or a you know a maxi series or or whatever yeah um but yeah i mean it, it just seems if it is an ongoing it's it's another issue of okay well exactly how long before a new hope is this is this first issue because how much you know if they're saying it's a year well okay you could fit a few story arcs through there you know in that in that in a year's period or is it you know six months in which case okay well you've you're pushing it now for an ongoing (laughs) i wouldn't yeah i wonder what this i mean I, you know, I, I once titled an episode like the sliding scales of logic, where like I'll, I'll use one one line of reasoning to justify one point, but then I won't use that same line of reasoning for another. Like I, I don't <laughs> know, like parking this st- series between Solo and A New Hope, and edging it looks certainly edging closer to A New Hope. Is that done specifically to leave room for? like a, a second solo or leave room for Alden Ehrenreich, I guess is without getting too specific about movies and shows. Are they still yeah. trying to leave that door open for him? Cause you would figure anything you know, in his younger life in the comic book, they would use the Alden likeness, but they're clearly using the Harrison Ford likeness. Yeah. Well, and uh, I mean, I mean, we know the land of, well, <laughs> we're told the Lando show is happening um, and it's, it's Donald Glover. So supposedly it's, it's, you know, I would guess at, at the most a few years after solo where that one's set, yeah. but you know, who knows, maybe they're, they want to try to do the same thing with Lando that they're doing with Mando, <laughs> 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 you know, we'll have the Mando verse and the Lando verse, you know, where, Lando is is the, you know, using Solo as a jumping off point, but Lando is the the catalyst for this this branching um, series of shows. And maybe you know, maybe 
Han and Chewie get get one of those series. But I mean, it it is interesting that if if that is the case, that I mean, this since the first arc is them on a mission with Greedo, which is what this article tells us. It would almost definitely the series is going to end with them dumping the cargo or them dumping the cargo is going to be part of the story. Yeah. Um, because Han and Greedo are on good terms at this point. So it's, it's interesting that they're, they wouldn't leave that story for a potential Han show, Han and Chewie show and put it in this comic. <laughs> Well, yeah, and, that, and that's kind of what I what I wonder. Like, I don't know, and I, there's no real reason to for me. I don't care really if they do a, a, another solo movie or Disney Plus show, as long as it doesn't replace something else that could be newer. Yeah, fine, do it. I'd, I'd be happy to watch it. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Do you think? Do you think this? How do, how do you view this? Does it help or harm the idea of of a follow up? Two solo on screen. Because uh, <laughs> you can make an argument either way, I think. Yeah, I mean, it, it just seems like, like at the end of Solo, when, you know, we were having conversations about what a solo sequel would be. Because at that point, like just after, you know, we're talking days after the movie came out, um, we all were like, Oh, there's going to be a sequel, <laughs> you know, perfectly like, set up for it. We did. Yeah. It was set up to have a sequel. Uh, they're going off to see the big gangster on Tatooine. Um, and you know, we weren't, we weren't aware at that point of how poorly the movie was performing. Um, so we were all like, well, in the sequel, this is going to have, Oh, they're going to Tatooine. They're going to Jabba. They're setting up the, the job where they dump the cargo and i guess it, it it seems like that story is happening a lot later than than we first thought it would like mm -hmm. i i think a lot of us were thinking that Ham was on the run from java for quite some time like years at least i was um and now it seems like it's going to be a matter of weeks or months <laughs> and yet han solo just goes right back into the cantina on tatooine yeah. <laughs> it's... What an idiot. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I don't know how I, how I feel about it. I guess it depends on the day. Like, I look at this and go, oh, well, now they're they're filling in those gaps that a movie or TV show would otherwise fill. I guess that's it. Yeah. They're, not, they're not doing that. Yeah. And maybe they're not. And, you know, every, every month that passes where they haven't announced a follow-up, you know, Aaron Reich ages out just a little bit more yeah and they can't they can't wait forever de-aging technology is great and all but there comes a point where you just can't use it well and and you know i mean who knows how easily he could find that character again you know i mean he was he was giving a very specific performance in solo um trying to to bridge that gap with harrison ford and you know i mean uh you know, I mean, he's a talented guy, but, you know, how easily could he slip back into, into Han Solo or his version of Han Solo? You know, he had to that's... be coached into it, right? 
Yeah, well, and, and that's that's one of the unfortunate parts of the uh, the narrative with that movie, and uh, unfortunate for him because it's it's really not fair. But uh, I mean, when you're trying to play a different version, you know, a, a younger version of a famous and established character like Han Solo, uh, having a little coaching, someone to to help you with that, like an expert. Like, <laughs> that's not unusual. Yeah, and also, but anyway, we, we that's heard people. Yeah, it is. But we also also heard a lot of people with, you know, who who were in the industry going, guys, it's it's not uncommon for actors to have coaches on set, dialect coach, yeah, performance coach, just anybody to help you get into a character. Actors just don't yeah, well, straight onto a set and just drop it and and kill it. A lot a lot of them need help. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it's very similar to, I mean, you know, actors who are, are performing in a specific accent that's not their own very often, almost always, have a dialect coach. Mm-hmm. So if, I mean, you know, trying to pick up uh, speech patterns and mannerisms of another actor is, in a way, similar to uh, performing in a different in a different accent or a different language or or whatever. Um, so it's, it's not unusual at all, Yeah, but it's, uh, you know, when, when I, I mean, I am excited to read this and I'm, I am excited to get, uh, to read about Han and Chewie in this period. Uh, and I'm excited to get the story of, you know, finally get the story of Han dumping the shipment. Um, and when I read the comic, I'm not going to be read it, you know, and be angry at it because it, means that i won't be, see this in a in a tv series or something you know yeah um, there's so much it, tv you know, coming i mean i'm not gonna yeah. cry that we're not getting more han and chewy yeah i mean i would you know if you would ask me i would have said yeah i'd rather see that in a in a movie or a or a show uh but you know i'm just excited to get the story so you know one doesn't necessarily affect the other no and my I, enjoyment I, of it anyway like I said, I think I think they're still trying to leave a gap so that there is room if they do want to follow up. Although, you, know, you look at the performance of Solo at the box office, and at best it broke even after mm-hmm. all the you know all the DVD money rolled in and whatnot. It might be difficult to make a case for for Lucasfilm to say, "All right, Disney, this is what we're doing." And we just talked about how they they did Book of Boba Fett and didn't tell anybody. Or, yeah. or very few people, but the the people at Disney that do know and that do need to know, it might be difficult to sell them on a, a, a on screen Han Solo follow up. What if the, the twenty what it, what it had done? What if the twenty twenty three movie is Solo two? <laughs> I, you know, like, I, I would what? I would okay at one point I'd be like cool at the, at an, and another, the other side of me would go like, ah, I was, I, oh man, I, I would just kind of, I think I'd be a little bit bummed. Well, I think about, okay, let's, let's use Clone Wars as an example. Think about how long it was between like when the save Clone Wars campaign, when that like online campaign peaked. And then how long 
the gap it was between that peak and when we got the announcement for season seven. What if the Make Solo 2 Happen <laughs> campaign, you know, that, that I feel like that peaked maybe like a year ago, year and a half ago, maybe. Uh, if it's, but, it definitely felt hotter in 2020 than in 2021. Yeah. And I, I feel like there were a few days where like that was boosted. Um, like there were boost campaigns for makes it all to happen. Um, yeah, but yeah, I mean, you think about that gap between, because <laughs> like when we got that announcement trailer and the hashtag clone war saved came up, I was like, Oh yeah, that was a thing. Wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Like it was like, okay, that's like an old reference. Like, <laughs> but it checks out. But, but you know, who's to say that we won't get a a solo two trailer? So you know, like solo two happening. <laughs> yeah, it's it's certainly it, it, possible. It, yeah, I, I don't think it's likely, but it's fun to mull around in your brain. For sure, you know, and there 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 will always be a part of me that wants to see more Chewie and wants to see more Falcon. At the same yeah. time, we've hit, I think, all the big points of Han's life, like all the character defining moments of his life were, I think gone through in either in, in the OT a little bit in the, in the sequels, his death, that's the turning point. And, um, in solo, it feels like the, the, what's in between is a series of adventures and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But I, I will say I, I really would like, um, if they're not going to do anything with Han, Han and Chewie in that gap, the solo two, solo, solo two, a new hope gap. I, I would really like them to do a, a trilogy, a Han and Chewie tri tri trilogy of novels. Uh, you know, I mean, it, it just feels like it's the right thing to do. You know, it's, it's weird that Han and Chewie don't have a trilogy. In canon, considering they had three or, or or two trilogies in uh, in Legends, well, you know what we need, and maybe that is grounds for a book. Is why do Han and Boba Fett have such a, a rivalry? Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a we well, can do a lot with with Han and Boba Fett. Well, do they like? I mean, me and me and Dave Donovan had this had this discussion for for a little bit in the in the group and i say like, i don't know like i feel like at least in canon i feel like han was just a job and it was like like especially after what we've seen in uh war of the bounty hunters i feel like bubba would be because we were talking about it in the context of would han and chewie show up in book of bubba fett and i said uh, well like the timeline doesn't really work out because by this point, Han's probably lost the Falcon. Chewie's it's afterlife debt. So Chewie's living on Kashyyyk with his family and Han has started a shipping company and is sponsoring races. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If it, I don't think there's any way that, that we yeah. see Han or Chewie in this yeah. series. And I, and like I said to Dave, you know, they could, you know, 
they could just ignore that and then they have to figure it away. You know, publishing is to figure it away to make that make sense. Um, but it just doesn't, it would just be very strange. Um, well, it, it takes, it takes the focus off Boba Fett and puts it squarely back on Han Solo. Definitely. And, and do you get Alden back for that? Or do you do CG because you've, you've CG Luke, you know, yeah, it's, it's, a, oh, it's, yeah, a where's the line, right? Like when, when do you, are you bound to use Aaron, Aaron Reich or yeah, Alden Aaron Reich? And when do you need to use Harrison Ford likeness? Yeah. And it's just like, well, okay. So you would have to have, you would have to have either them show up on Tatooine and they don't, neither of them really have any business on Tatooine at that point. Like, because, you know, Chewie's on Kashyyyk, Han's gone straight because, you know, his wife is a senator in the New Republic. <laughs> he can't exactly be a smuggler anymore. And, and he's a dad, right? <laughs> he's a dad. And so it's, uh, you know, you got to remember the time period that this is in and there, there are established parameters. Now, you know, they can, there, no one is freer to step outside of those parameters than, than Dave and John. Uh, but yeah, there are parameters. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. It does. It does feel to me. Yeah. Like it, it, in a similar way to where, when, again, when Michael Arndt was writing TFA, like when he tried to introduce Luke, Luke takes over the story. Right. And when if you try to bring Han Solo into Book of Boba Fett, it's like Han Solo takes over the story. Yeah. Try, try yeah. as you might to keep it on Boba Fett. Everybody's now interested in, in, in the good guy. Yeah, I mean the fact that – the fact that you <laughs> – the fact that Luke didn't do that is incredible. And it, I mean, I'm sure some would argue that he does. Um, he didn't for me. I mean, I think, I think that he takes over for yeah, five, five minutes. minutes. Yeah. But then the episode ends and your focus is squarely back on Mando and Grogu, mm -hmm. you know, um, after R2 shows up, you're, you have that moment where Mando takes his helmet off and Luke who? <laughs> you know? Yeah, you finally have Yeah, you, you have Mando having to say goodbye to Grogu yeah. it, when we really didn't think that was gonna happen. Yeah. Our guts are being ripped out. <laughs> oh, it was rough. But yeah, it's uh I I I don't really see in the stories that we've gotten in canon that there is evidence of a particular rivalry. Like it just seems like a job and like a particularly troublesome job at that. So I, I just think that Boba would be happy to never see Han Solo again. Yeah. I think, I think this Boba Fett has turned a corner in some ways where I think if Han Solo still out there, I mean, there's no contract on, on Han Solo now. He, he yeah. delivered. We, we just went through this with war of the bounty hunters. Boba got paid. It's, it's a, it's a done job. I feel like, if he went after Han Solo, it'd be because he knocked him into the Sarlacc. Yeah, it's not worth the fuel to go track Han Solo down to kill him. <laughs> you know, there's no profit in it. It's just expense. And you know, so, knowing that Han has gone straight, and yeah. this is like they keep saying, this is a show about the underworld. Those are mm -hmm. those are two different things. Like Han's not in the underworld at this point. I would be. I wouldn't mind. I I would, would imagine someone might mention Han Solo at some point, and Boba just 
rolls his eyes kind of thing. Don't, like yeah. I've moved on from that from that scumbag kind of thing. But yeah, previous to that, like b- between A New Hope and um, Solo, I can imagine that like Han is Boba's white whale. Like he just can't catch him. Mm-hmm. Like there's a contract for him for some specific reason, and he just can't pin him down. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, yeah. I mean, they would have to introduce that in the show, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe Kira's involved. Maybe Kira puts a thing out on <laughs> on Han Solo in in the comics or something, and. Oh. Boba has he's like, all right, I'll go, I'll go find this Han Solo character for you, your old boyfriend. Sure, I won't, I won't hurt a harm, harm a hair on his head. Yeah, he I mean, it, on the one hand, it, that I mean, the the Kira stuff, the Crimson Dawn stuff is. On the one hand, it's like you're like, there's no way that they could have coordinated this comic event and this show. There's no way in hell they did that. But at the same time, it's like. Are they really doing like crazy bounty hunter stuff with Kira and Boba Fett in the show, and it's not gonna tie into the in, into the comics, and it's not gonna tie into the show? Like it, on the one hand, it's like it's ridiculous to think that they would be connected, and on the other hand, it's like, how are they doing this and not connecting? <laughs> well, yeah, like it's it's either gonna be. I don't know how I feel about that thing yet. Like Kira needs to be in Book of Boba Fett. At some point, whether it's in season one or season five, whatever they do. Yeah. But man, (laughs) like that's something that needs to happen. If they're talking about the underworld in this era, first of all, I guess we don't really know that Kira is even alive at that point, but they've got to make, they've got to weave Crimson Dawn into the show. (laughs) I bet Charles Soule knows. (laughs) I bet you he does. Yeah. I mean, Kira could be the the Luke Skywalker of Book of Boba Fett, right? Like she could show up at, in the last episode and set up a whole other series. Well, that thing that and, um, I mean, what's his face was talking about? Um, uh, John Kasdan. You know, he teased at one point that, yeah, you know, I'd love to, and then he sort of dropped like the. Crimson Dawn logo, the Hot Cartel logo, and another right criminal organization. Another like th- he drew like three underworld, you know, syndicate type of, of insignias, and it was right. like, ooh, there's like the, the, he's he's already working on this, or he's he's you know got something written on the back of a napkin kind of thing. Oh man, what? Oh man, I mean, we just saw <laughs> Crimson Dawn just wiped out. The Hut Cartel, or well, the it was directly involved with the wiping out of the of the Hut Council. Yeah, like Darth did that. He took out all the all the big right. name Huts except for right. Jabba, but he took them. He took them all, chopped them all up himself. Right. So whatever right, John right. Kasdan was thinking must predate that. I guess not hmm. necessarily, but yeah. Well, I mean, it could just be that plans shifted five to ten years from where they originally had them, you know? Eh, that's interesting. There's a lot of balls in the air here, man. <laughs> it, yeah, it's... Oh. 
But yeah, yeah I, I mean, I, I would. The reality is, like, look at what they they've done with Book of Boba Fett. I mean, they could. Kira could show up in the last episode of Book of Boba Fett, and then that could be a show that comes out before Ahsoka, before Acolyte. You know, <laughs> like who knows? Like they could start shooting the Crimson Dawn show or whatever it's it would be called. They could start shooting that in a matter of months. You know, <laughs> and I also have a difficult time believing that that Kira won't be involved in the 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 Mall animated series that that is rumored to be coming. Yeah, well, I mean, that's, I feel like that's going to tell the story of what the end of Solo sets up. Or was that before Solo? I forget if we got any details on when it's set exactly. Yeah, I think there was sort of an allusion to it, but I don't know. Yeah. But Kira, she's everywhere. She's everywhere, but on the screen. Yeah, I'm surprised that they didn't just do a, a Han and Kira series. You know, like Han and Kira on Corellia. Yeah, like, that'd be, even that would be worth the look. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it would be, it would seem like less of more of the same, you know? Um, and just pulling jobs for uh, Lady Proxima? Yeah, I mean, I love Han and Chewie, but this is very much like... Okay, we've had plenty of Han and Chewie. Whereas Han and Kira, especially with what's going on now with Kira, it would have been interesting to have Han and Kira when they're younger and you know, you you could have Soul and and Guggenheim playing off each other and setting things up and paying things off and I don't know. It seems like that I, I think that's the way that I would have gone with it, but yeah. Well, Akira seems like a big figure now, everywhere. It, it's, yeah. it just seems inevitable that at some point she's going to pop back on screen. And and Amelia Clark has said she would love to do it again. Yeah. So it, I, I yeah. think it's, 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 she's she's got to pop up in, in Book of Boba Fett at some point. I I really hope so. And boy, like. <sighs> If the one place you can get your hopes up <laughs> in Star Wars right now, the, the one place you can is in uh, in the Mandoverse. Um, you know what? If, what if they bring her back? And this, I guess, this is where it gets tricky because you're on the Harrison Ford side of things, but you bring back Kira, and you have her play a role in Han and Leia splitting apart. Oh. Yeah, that's oh. Yeah, I feel like I do you remember the the controversy when we found out that Kira existed? Oh, like, how dare how yeah, dare they have a relationship? I, I feel like like it's that 2.0. Like <laughs> I don't know if they would want to go there. And yeah, and they had Leia and and Kira talk to one another and sort of I guess come to an understanding. Yeah, and, you and were, I think I am, and it's over. Yeah, I think, and I think that's less interesting than it, the way it stands now, where they kind of just like they're soulmates that can't be together. You know, I I think that's much more interesting than than the love triangle. 
Yeah. I, I, yeah. I don't I think, I don't think a love think triangle would be well received. Yeah. I mean, I think a love triangle is it's, it's so worn now. And like, I think it's just inter- more interesting that to say these are very complicated people and they have a very complicated relationship and they love each other more than, than most people know how to love, <laughs> but they just don't work. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the galaxy had other plans for them. Yeah, I think that's so interesting and speaks so much to each of their characters uh, and each of their stories uh, that I think a love triangle would just poison that. And it, yeah, it probably it, it would play off as cheap and tacky. Now that's not to say that they wouldn't do that, but <laughs> it's it's not what I want them to do. <laughs> well, and and that to me. Like it almost makes it to to bring that angle to it, not not the love triangle part, but just having Kira back in the mix in some mm. in some form or fashion. That that merits a novel to me, or a series of novels oh, yeah. that you were talking about. Yeah, definitely. All definitely. right. Um. So this this Han Solo's ongoing or mini, I don't know what it is. This drops, I think, sometime in the middle of next year. Or am I wrong about that? When does this come out? What's that? Sorry. The March. Uh, so this actually comes out in March, March? of 2022. Right, right, so right, 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 right. Won't be too long before we start hearing from our comic book shops to, um, hey, how many of these uh, covers do you want for for part one? <laughs> All of yeah. them. Oh, yeah. Oh, and oh, man, they oh, the opportunity for covers is is ripe with that series. Oh, boy, mm-hmm. that's going to be a rough March is going to be rough. Oh. We're all rough these days. <laughs> All right, let's uh, close out the show with uh, what? What the hell's going on with Greg Pak's Darth Vader run? Um, boy. <laughs> um, apparently, Attack of the Clones is what's going on. Like, That's... I think all of the Darth Vader series have used flashbacks to some degree. Yeah. This series, in particular, seems it seems like a crutch. Like I mean, this series should be co-written by George Lucas. Like that, yeah. It, George Lucas should be credited on this Darth Vader series. <laughs> like it, it seems a significant percentage of of panels across this run that we're talking about uh, the, the preview here for Darth Vader nineteen through nine or eighteen issues, and including the nineteenth, it seems like a very significant percentage of the comic book panels are in that red toned flashback style. There are entire pages that are uninterrupted flashbacks. It's well, yeah, uh, and like the the preview lot. page. We got three, was it four pages of preview for issue nineteen? Two of them are full on flashback, and I can't. Yeah. What's weird? And then there's speech and there's there's talking and thought bubbles and everything. I can't tie the the, the thread together. It we have a look of Anakin leaving his mother. We have Anakin with with uh, Padme in the in the for uh, the field on Naboo. Uh, then he, he laying his mother to rest. I don't know what the thread is along, among all this stuff. I don't get what Greg Pak is doing. Yeah, and I'm sure in his in his head he's doing something specific, but going right back to the start of this run, it's it seems like he's feasting on old flashbacks to. to serve his his current story and i don't know that it's working or 
at least to me it's it's feeling like it's getting tired well i understood what he was uh, i thought i understood what he was doing when you know he the flashbacks to anakin and padme and that kind of thing when it was the the sabe storyline and the handmaiden storyline that that made sense like i understand why Mm -hmm. he would be flashing back to images of padme and and events involving padme because he's you know he's interacting with with these people who look exactly like her who were intrinsically tied to padme amidala um but you know ever since it's been it's it just seems so random and wasteful in a way it's like <laughs> why did you just like i i don't know like you you put entire entire pages that are just flashbacks to scenes from the movies. It's like, yeah, okay, I've seen the movies. Like it, it feels very handholdy. Um, I don't want to say lazy, but it kind of feels lazy. Um, it's just like what I'm intelligent enough <laughs> that if you, you can, you don't have to use these flashbacks. You don't have to walk me through and show me like scene by scene the illusions you're trying to draw here like i will pick up on that self stuff myself <laughs> and i think most most readers are intelligent enough to do that um it, i don't know I, I it is getting very frustrating um and i mean it's really hit or miss the series overall like yeah. I like the I like the Exegol stuff uh, was kind of eye rolly, some interesting stuff. Uh, by and large, well, I the Exegol stuff it. held such promise. We're like, oh my god, we're gonna we're gonna get some answers. This is, it's gonna help smooth out some of the bumps between what we know and the sequels. And then it just did it didn't. Well, Vader goes there and he's like, ooh, there's some spooky stuff here. And then like it never matters again. <laughs> Like, yeah, Ochi was the only thing that we took from that arc, took from that story going forward. And like, I think he's a fun character in the book, but I, uh, I don't know what the overall plan is. Like, I don't know where it's going. Well, yeah, and what, like the preview line, or whatever, the, the Darth Vader is haunted by images of the past in his pursuit of order in the galaxy. That could have applied to any <laughs> issue of Darth Vader for the last six years. Yeah, that's true. Like, <laughs> true. How how much? Okay, like we, I think in the first volume, it was you know he was all about his his pursuit of Luke and obsessing over Luke. And then uh, the second volume with Soul, uh, you know, his, his sort of regrets and his pain with Padme. It seems all that's left to cover is is maybe a bit of a deeper dive with Kenobi. And I, I only say deeper dive because that was also touched on in Soul's run. And I, yeah. I guess maybe with the, you know, Greg Pak has been well aware of, of the Kenobi series for as long as we have. So maybe he's... Yeah doing this all a big favor and, and building something in the, in his run that will sync up a little bit with the, with the series on Disney plus. 
otherwise i don't know what he's i don't know what's going on like i don't know my fear with any vader story is it i just don't know how much juice is left to be squeezed from the vader fruit <laughs> I, yeah. I don't know i, I it's it's starting to feel like a, a, a character that is that needs a break. Well, provided that Pack is on the book um, the, that long, uh, I think like January of 2023 we'll get flashbacks to the Kenobi show. <laughs> oh Jesus! Well, right? If, like if... you think about how quickly he tied in Exegol. Uh, and all that stuff um, after The Force Awakens. That's true. That is true. Uh, I don't think it'll take him... I think it'll be a minimum, minimal amount of time that it'll take him to start tying in uh, the Kenobi series into his run, into the flashbacks. Like I said, if it gets that far, because the previous two runs both ended at issue 25. So I wonder if that's, that's true. also... That's true. If that's just a thing that they're going to do where you know we've got like s- seven issues left. And then this volume will end and please like, let's give Darth a rest. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, I mean, well, I guess we'll probably find out by like the end of January, February, I guess, uh, if they're going to be doing any kind of Kenobi tie in comic. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, because there's been nothing for, for Mando, uh, Nothing official for Boba Fett for Book of Boba, as far as publishing tie-ins, you know, unless you want to count more of the bounty hunters, which I wouldn't. No. <laughs> um, and honestly, that all seems very mistimed. <laughs> A little bit, eh? and, and I I know there was like pandemic delay was part of it and stuff, uh, but it seems very strange that that series ended weeks ago and you know marketing on these shows you know i mean we we won't get into that again it's always bewildering but that seems like a major miss to me um but yeah i mean we should find out within the next couple of months if they're going to be doing any tie-in stuff to kenobi i mean that seems like it, that's rich for a novel or or a miniseries or something. Yeah, I mean, we do have the Brotherhood novel coming. Which Yeah, and it, it, that's one of those, like, you know, they treat it as like, a, oh, it's a happenstance tie-in. Yeah. You know, it's we happen to be putting out this novel at the same time. Um, but there's no, you know, I mean, we don't get the Journey 2s anymore, you know? <laughs> it, and it would kind of be nice if we had, even if it was just like, you know, a one shot that came out the week before uh, a season finale, uh, a season premiere. Like if we, they had put out a Mando one shot the week before the season one premiere and a week before the season two premiere and just called it Journey to Ma- the Mandalorian or Journey to the Book of Boba Fett. Like I wish there was a, a one shot coming out this week that was some kind of a tie in. Uh, That'd be cool. I, I it just it, it's just another instance of Lucasfilm leaving money on the table. It's like I want to buy in tie-in stuff. The figures aren't coming until next year, and you don't have anything like you don't have uh, 
you don't have a, a novel, you don't have a comic, you don't have anything out that I could buy that I, you know, I'm already spending money on the subscription. Like you already have that money, right? <laughs> like give me a reason to spend more money on the show. It's, it's bewildering, but <laughs> it's a, it's a thing that they've done before. I mean, I do have a ton of respect for, for them leaving money on the table just so that we could experience the Grogu re reveal. Yeah. But it's... At the same time, like, you think about how quickly a, you can put a comic together. One issue of a comic. Like, say, a 30, 32-page comic. Yeah, it takes a month. Right? Yeah. I mean, I feel like you could, like, tell a story about... You know, I mean, look at the, I mean, we complain about how inconsequential things like the DJ one shot was or the C-3PO comic was or, you know, the Cassian and K2, you know, these, these tie in, these tie in one shots that they did, they are insignificant, but I don't regret buying them. I don't regret reading them. Like, like that C-3PO comic is such a strange oddity. Like they put it out months <laughs> after the Force Awakens came out when it was supposed to be out the week before because it took JJ forever to read it and sign off on it. And then that story got adapted into DLC, PS4 exclusive DLC uh, for the Lego Force Awakens game. Oh my God. <laughs> I've never been able to play it because it's PS4 exclusive. <laughs> So it's just like, oh man, that's so strange. And now we don't know how, like the Cassian and K two one shot is just toast. <laughs> oh, it's <laughs> it's, it's, just, it's over. There's no way, um, you know. But at the same time, take Jessica Biel's character. Tell us a, a short story about the mayor, whoever the mayor is, right? Like you're not marketing any, like you haven't told us the names of any of these characters except for the two leads like throw one in a comic at least then we you know we could pick up a couple names you know like what does boba fett dream about when he's in a back to bath there's an issue right like the meeting of uh boba and fennec with all of jabba's former lieutenants former captains like tell a story about what they're doing like like when they get this summon like they get the hollow hologram where boba summons them and they're like talking about what do you think this is? What's going on? Blah, 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 blah. What happened to Bib? You know, like there are so many little stories you could tell inconsequential stories that would be fun. And we'll all be interested because it's introducing us to some of the characters we're going to see in the show. Yeah, just it just seems ready for like, that world. Yeah. It just seems like a no brainer and consistently just nothing. <laughs> Maybe dark horse can answer the bell. That would be nice, but uh, I feel like if Marvel doesn't get that tie-in work, then no one will. Yeah, you figure they, <laughs> they, yeah, they, they definitely get first crack at the apple, don't they? Yeah, definitely. All right, well, I mean, we'll see what happens with Darth Vader. I don't understand. It, it's been a bizarre series, part of, and parts of it have been fun. Like the Sabe bit was mm -hmm. great. Going to Exegol was, was fun while it lasted, and, but ultimately... Not much went on. I think just it lost inconsequential. Its... Yeah, it was it was fun at the time, and now it's it just feels like it was a waste of time. <laughs> it, it, this I think this series lost its way uh, during War of the Bounty Hunters, 
yeah. I don't know that it did very much important stuff during that during that time frame. But it's if if it follows the pattern of volumes one and two, and ends with number twenty five, there's seven issues with 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 you know runway left. I hope yeah. Greg Pak has uh, a pl- something good to go out go out on. Yeah, and the the art's been great. I've I've loved the art on the series, mm-hmm. um, like that Mustafar arc with all the the oranges and the reds and the lava. I mean, that was a gorgeous looking looking arc. Um, and I like Greg Pak. I mean, Greg Pak has written some great stories. He's done some great work, but I just I don't think it's I don't think he's found his groove on this series. And you would have hoped that he would have by now. Absolutely. And uh, and you know, again, you don't know how much of his run was interrupted by things like, well, I mean, the, the pandemic for one, but also um, editorial. Uh, you don't know how much war the bounty hunters threw a wrench in his plans. Like uh, it was a weird time to be, to be writing this stuff. Um, so, you know, I mean, you know, he's a great writer. Um, it's just not clicking. And like you said, I mean, he's still got about an arc left. Um, so yeah, hopefully he can, hopefully he can pull it all together. Uh, yeah, it, like, it, that's if, if, if it ends at 25. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, that's I'm a just, big assumption. It is. I'm, I'm definitely making an assumption. There's, there's no indication to say it will other than past history, which yeah. doesn't mean much in this case, but I, I need my faith renewed that there's more to tell with Darth Vader. Otherwise, Put him away. Definitely. He's a character that's always been, I think, a less is more approach works better with Vader. Mm -hmm. And yet they keep throwing him at us, whether it's in Rebels or in in comics with one volume after another. And he he just keeps suffering one loss after another. Mm -hmm. It's like, I don't want to think of Darth Vader as somebody who loses all the time. Yeah. That's not how we're supposed to think of him. We're supposed to be completely terrified of this guy. And yet, Kanan and Ezra get away, and the Emperor just keeps slapping him around like a rag doll. And yeah. you know, everybody like even Ochi kind of takes us a, a few pieces off him. Yeah. It's uh I I wonder about the going back to the mall show, I wonder if you know they've set up this this rivalry that Maul and Vader have. You know, I mean, we saw it in... We saw some of that in Rebels on the Malachor arc, where, like, Maul knows knows about Vader. Like, Maul knows how dangerous he is. And he, yeah, he's scared of him. Yeah. Why is he so scared of him? And, like, we... Uh, of course, we got some in, in uh, Season 7 of Clone Wars, uh, Siege of Mandalore, where... You know, he's seen Anakin. He knows what what Anakin becomes. He knows what Anakin is to to the Emperor, and that's why he was trying to lure Anakin to Mandalore to kill him, to throw wrenches at Palpatine's. Yeah. So, I mean, he's obviously he knows that if if Palpatine is courting Anakin or Vader, that they must be extremely powerful but at the same time maul hasn't really experienced like vader's fist you know like like he hasn't encountered 
Darth Vader that we know of. So I, I do wonder if if that's something that Filoni would want to explore is to have you know have them interact a little more in this mall show, which would be interesting. I, mean, I would love to see a live action mall Vader fight, but I feel like that's never going to happen now. No, I, I feel like that's yeah. Uh, I feel like that's a bridge too far. <laughs> you know, like, unless you, unless you do another recast. Yeah, I mean that's that seems a little too well. Yeah, there is that. There's definitely that. Uh, but also, I mean, that seems very fan filmy. It does. I I, 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 I just want to see it a, for the hell of it. There are a lot of things that you can get away with in animation that are just you know obviously too, uh, just too much for live action. You know. <laughs> well, and it also just makes sense. I mean, with with. Maul and Rebels being terrified of Vader. It, yeah. it feels like that's sort of the, the level for that story to be told, just so that it makes sense visually from that standpoint. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, 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 hmm. I wonder if Maul and Vader have some kind of encounter and Vader decides to let Maul continue on as sort of just to keep him in his back pocket. And then at some point in time, either Palpatine gets wind of it and orders Vader to put a stop to Maul. And Vader is the reason that Crimson Dawn, like he basically destroys Crimson Dawn and somehow Kira has the foresight to have squirreled enough away and set herself up to be able to rebuild Crimson Dawn. And that's what we see in War of the Bounty Hunters. Yeah, yeah, cause- that's an interesting story to tell because, yeah, did, did Kira kind of outfox Maul or yeah. did somebody kick Maul out? And it would be pretty cool if if Vader was the one that just muscled Maul out the door and Kira's just hiding in the shadows, waits for it to calm down and then assumes Picks control. up the pieces. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's that sounds more likely when you say it out loud. Yeah. But uh I don't know. I mean, I mean, this is the thing. I don't expect them. Obviously, whenever I throw out these these theories or scenarios, I don't expect them to come true. But I mean, it just does. Like, if you if you think the things through, you can you can find different paths, and you can see that. Oh yeah, there are the ways that they could that they could pull this off. There are ways that these characters could meet, and all this kind of unfold. You know, you just gotta get past the initial. Wait, what? No way. Yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> All right. But, uh, um, I think it's time to wrap it up. Let's yeah, wrap it up there and add two more hours <laughs> to the uh, <laughs> the time we could have been spent becoming masters at something else. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Master brewers. <laughs> that counts. That counts. Yeah. All right, folks. Uh I hope you enjoyed this episode of the podcast. Uh if you did, um Please give us a thumbs up wherever you're listening to this on and give it a, a rating review. Make sure you're subscribed to all that good stuff. And um, if you want to catch up with myself or Nathan or any part of the Tumbling Saber family, most of us are over in the Facebook group, which is over, of course, on Facebook. Uh, just, search, just search, There's a page and there's a group. The action is in the group. The page is kind of, it's just there. Don't, don't go there. Um, <laughs> otherwise, yeah, just, uh, you know, 
retweeting the links when when the episode drops and telling your friends that really helps us a lot uh so that's gonna do it nathan where aside from the facebook group you're also on twitter where where's uh your twitter rants can where can they be found at naf roberts um yeah visit at your own risk <laughs> uh i might ask for myself at tumbling saber on twitter and uh as are as are pretty much everybody man everybody's on on the, the old twitter machine which i don't know about that place man i don't know yeah too many everybody's <laughs> <laughs> all right folks thank you for spending your time with us once again as we head into year seven uh hope you enjoyed this episode uh and stay safe keep staying safe because uh omicron wants to derail everything but uh we'll see you again soon i'm not sure if we'll be back next week with an episode it being uh christmas weekend and all but we will see maybe there'll be something in your stocking i don't know but just continue staying safe everybody thank you for listening and may the force be with you Sitting here for hours, looking at that child Pages getting wider like a mirror to myself Struggle for the answers, questions frighten me Circles getting wider, it's harder just to see Disappear